What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bald, Bold, and Gold. We are recording right after the first release of the 2021 College Football Playoff Rankings. We have some pretty hot takes right off the bat, so the first 30 minutes of the pod are dedicated to that. Before we do, even more Kyron Williams praise and a recap of our game against North Carolina last Saturday before we respect the troops and preview our upcoming game against Navy and finally conclude once again with giving our listeners free money and our picks for the week. And I'll pass it off to the ball guy. Enjoy. So we're here. It is roughly 7.33, three minutes after the conclusion of the first release of the college football playoff rankings of the year. We were originally planning to record a little later, but we had to hop on right away. It's one of my favorite times of year because no one's ever completely happy with the committee. Mm-hmm. To be fair, they did fuck this one up. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think that it was like really eye-opening right from the jump. They released the 21 through 25, and... I think I had a problem right, right, like right off the bat with it. Like I think it was really good from a Notre Dame perspective that Wisconsin landed at twenty-one, but was neither Wisconsin nor Iowa, nor Minnesota really, in my opinion, are top twenty-five football teams. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of struggling to figure out what the big, what the massive Big Ten bias was. Um, yeah, that there. that so, wasn't. Uh, it looked it looked like it could be Notre Dame bias for a little bit. Yeah, that could just be us keeping an eye on it. But pretty quick, pretty quickly, it was clear that that was just love for the big 10. Um, and then that clear that would, that was made even more clear as it went down and got into the top five or I guess top eight, I'd say, cause there's, there was just a lot of love and there's a lot of things you got to cover. Um, I don't think they're better than the five teams in front of them, but I do think that they deserve to start higher than the number six. And that's Cincinnati. Like they, no respect. And it's pretty clear that they're dead in the water. Yeah, I wouldn't I also, say they're dead. Is they're just perfectly set up for failure? They need everything to break their way, rather than that, mean, that means Oklahoma doesn't lose. Oklahoma yeah, can't exactly. lose because Oklahoma will for sure jump them. Because they have to play probably both Oklahoma State and Baylor, still who they ranked directly outside the top ten. Mm-hmm. But if yeah, I, if Bama yeah. beats Georgia, you Cincinnati's done too. There's still one spot left. If Oregon loses, which Oregon. I mean, it's all these things. It's all these Ohio levers you need State. to pull for them to get in. Either Ohio State or Michigan State has to win out. And even if Michigan State loses to Ohio State, it's not a given that they fall behind Cincinnati, especially because you know they probably won't be playing in the Big Ten title game, which means they'll still be sitting there with one loss at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And they'll be comparing what's a better win, Michigan at home or Notre Dame on the road, which that's what I that's why I'm like upset about, you know. They just totally kind of discredited the Notre Dame road win, especially when you compare them to an Oregon or to the other one loss teams that are around there. You know, but they're undefeated and they beat a top ten team on the road. I don't think I don't think it boiled down to that though. I think it boiled down to the committee loving the rest of the Big Ten for some reason. For some I mean, Minnesota lost to bowling green at home. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's my biggest issue here with the with the whole thing is it didn't 
it doesn't really feel like like the committee decided to punish losses. Uh, Al, you know, like yeah, Al, Al, who did Alabama lose to? Alabama lost to Texas A&M, A&M, A&M. right A&M. on the road, which is like a good loss. But I think that Notre Dame's loss is better, um, and I mm-hmm. think that they barely skated by Florida. Like, I don't think this Alabama team deserves that number two ranking. I think that this is like a definitely a big bias towards towards names that they've already had in the playoff. And um, I, I think for it's the case of Cincinnati, like their nail in the coffin was probably Notre Dame coming in at number 10, right? Because as soon as Notre Dame came at number 10, mm-hmm. it was almost impossible that they would be in the top in the top four because for them to be in the top four, Notre Dame probably would have had to land seven or eight, right? Like they would have had to be in the Michigan or the Oklahoma spot. So uh, that was kind of like the nail in Cincinnati's coffin, but uh, it's clear that they valued, they definitely valued head to head more so than anything, right? Like that was the biggest thing. That's why you have Oregon in front of Ohio state. Uh, That's why you have, uh, that's why you have Kentucky in front of, um, I'm sorry, uh, Mississippi state in front of Kentucky and Ole Miss in front of, uh, yeah, and old Auburn in front of Ole Miss. Like that's the head-to-head definitely came in, uh, came into a big play. I was just I'm very, very confused by a lot of what I saw the committee kind of put out in, in this first, in this first ranking. So for for our listeners who aren't doesn't have it in front of them, we have let's let's recap it one by one. We got Georgia at number one, that's obvious, and then we got Alabama coming in at number two after loss to AM and Slev. I I agree with you. That just seems way too high given the resume. Um, yeah. I can't say that's necessarily like I don't know Wrong. if I'm too surprised and like they're they very well could be the second best team in the country, but they don't deserve it right now. Three we got Oregon, or three we got Michigan State, and we just talked about them, uh, and we think that's a love for the rest of the Big Ten. Oregon at number four thoughts. I mean, you have State. to put them ahead of Ohio State, mm-hmm. but. I, I don't get them having them above, I guess, Cincinnati or in Oklahoma because they have they a lot lost of really to, pretty bad Stanford team. Like, yeah, they lost to Stanford, man. Like, how? Yeah, how? almost lost to Fresno State. Yeah, yeah. Fre- Fresno State should have won that game. Yep. And they gave up like twenty-eight points to a pretty hapless Colorado team. They rolled them out. They scored fifty-six points, but they still gave up a good amount of points to a, to a, not a great team. I think Oregon should be extremely pleased. With number four, and I feel like I've been the only one that's been entertaining the thought that they'll still get in, but I think that just says if they went out, they're gonna be in. Like, didn't they just skate by Cal too last Friday night, a few Friday nights ago? Yeah, they won by seven, I think. Yeah, like, like, no one has watched them since they played Ohio State. Is what it seems like, or before sure. they just watched yeah. the one game. Yeah, kind of absurd. They're there. They're, there. they're there, and then I think the backbreaker for Cincinnati is being behind Ohio State at five. Because I think to me that says one of these two teams, Ohio State and Michigan State, as long as there's not a massive slip-up in between, the time between them playing each other is going to be in over Cincinnati. So let, let's talk – I know Ohio State, obviously, they've been super impressive on the field. But if we talk about their resume, it's a – their best win is not even – I guess Minnesota's ranked. They kind of sneak in there. But that's a team that also lost to Bowling Green. Their best wins in Minnesota week one, and they struggled. Mm-hmm. And they also have a loss. And you're saying that's better at home, a loss at home to a team that I guess is at four, maybe shouldn't be there, versus beating number 10 on the road and winning all your games. And that that's, you know, that applies to Cincinnati. Oklahoma's also undefeated. Like, 
I would have both of those two ahead of both Oregon and Ohio State if I were to do it. So Cincinnati coming in at six. My question for you guys, if they had rolled Navy and – who did they play last week? Tulane. Tulane. If they had rolled them like they were expected to, like Vegas expected them to, do you think they come in any higher? And my insurrection is no. I don't think I agree. I agree. I don't think I don't think it it carry it would have carried much more weight. I think it's a good excuse that the committee's going to that like I'm sure in the interviews that we're missing right now that they're doing on ESPN, I'm sure the committee's going to mention that like oh hey like you know Cincinnati not in so many words but they're going to say hey Cincinnati didn't get style points like they were they were losing to Tulane, um, and Navy gave them a game so uh, I think that's definitely that definitely plays into it but yeah, I don't know if I don't know if like rolling those teams would have necessarily helped them. I think they would have been stranded there at six. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the committee relied this year more than any other year, which doesn't make sense. Maybe you have to do this last year when there's conference only schedules and stuff like that, but they're relying on the eye test more than in an era where we have more statistics to pit, put teams up against each other than ever before. Yeah. So it's honestly kind of bullshit. No, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. And I, it's not even an eye test. It's like, conventional wisdom more so yeah. it's like but we do yeah. have we got the strength of record not metric that people have fallen in love with and a lot of advanced data that can make comparisons a lot easier but even with the the idea i agree with you in one sense like yes it's, it's a big eye test year but, but then again it's not like i've been pretty underwhelmed with what i've seen from alabama so far compared to what it's been in the past in the past yeah. years and maybe that's not maybe that's not fair because that's just a, a, a sick standard that few people will ever be able to reach. But you expect some things that Nick Saban seems like their offensive line hasn't looked good. The defense has had holes. They've, they've seemed to not necessarily be as locked in. Uh, Oregon, obviously, we talked about the flaws that they that they that they've had. Um, teams and there's other teams up here that that have also like that also have not looked good, right? Like, I mean, Wake Forest for the most part has handled everything that they've needed to. But Michigan lost to Michigan State. But hey, they also let Rutgers hang around. I think mm-hmm. Rutgers held was within a score of beating Michigan in the big house. Like same a with lot Nebraska. Of, same with Nebraska. Like I, it's, yeah, who has Michigan beat? Uh, Nebraska. Every, every, and people, yeah, yeah, Nebraska. And Nebraska has three wins. And the whole thing is Michigan's. Oh, their D line's great. Kenneth Walker had five touchdown runs against them. <laughs> yeah, they melted. They melted in the second. They melted. Half. They threw that game away. I mean, that game was more so. I thought. Yes, Michigan honestly was better than I thought offensively, but that was more so just like they're the same old same old Harbaugh. They're, yeah. they're not they're not a winning team. No, they choked they choked that away big time, uh, which was which was great for us to watch. Like I was I, funny story actually, I was in the parking lot. Uh, I was in, uh, at the Lennon at the Lennon tailgate, and obviously the Lennons are big. Sorry. You know, they're Notre Dame people, but they're also big Michigan State people. And we, I got to their tailgate right for, like, the end of the fourth quarter. So it was really fun to be with them as they were getting updates. And there was somebody with a TV close that we all just huddled around to watch to watch Michigan State finish it off and, and put Michigan to the ground, which was great. Um, so, but yeah, we could, have, a, we could have the bias there, but Michigan at seven. What I do say, I, I think if there's one thing they got right, and I don't, I don't have much objection to, was Wake Forest at nine. Um, yes, they're undefeated. I think this gives them some 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 leeway to go up, but I don't think I've seen enough from them to be ahead of. I don't think Michigan should be at seven, but I don't know if I think Wake Forest is a top eight team in the country yet. I think I need to see a little bit more. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, 
if you look at Wake Forest, there are definitely 15 teams that are better than them, that I think. Are they so, even favored? Are they even favored against Carolina? No, no they're not. North three Carolina. Three point dogs. We're going to get to that. Don't you we'll worry. We'll get to that. But I just thought that was inconsistent with like, oh, okay, their resume puts them at number nine. But then you are using the eye test for the other teams that we talked about, right? So, like, what is, what's the criteria there? That one raised questions to me. Because there are definitely teams – like, I think nine is probably right for them if you're, if you're talking about resume. But if you go on eye test, there are definitely 15 better teams than them in the country. It, yeah. it's, it, it's crazy how, like, we always how – many, how many of the last 10 to 15 years have been talking about the SEC bias? about the SEC bias, and this one feels extraordinarily Big Ten bias. And like, what have they done to earn it? I don't get know. Dude, by the, why, in the title game? Yeah, and, and I don't, I don't get it. Lost to the Pac-12, like lost to Oregon. Your big, what's, your big game, you lost to Oregon. Your big, your big conference game, you lost. What's going on at twenty twenty one and twenty two? Those teams look awful. That's Minnesota, yeah. Wisconsin, Iowa. Those teams look awful. Those teams like, all got pushed around by out-of-conference teams. I guess maybe yeah. not – Iowa didn't, but they didn't really play anyone. Was, yeah. Minnesota no, loses say, to a I MAC team. So. Notre Dame beat Wisconsin like 28 points. And, you know. Seems a very uh, defensive-loving committee. You know, like they, they're loving the Michigan State group. They love Georgia. I guess I'm not, that, like, Ohio State's that. getting better. Ohio State's getting better. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. Oklahoma at eight, I wasn't mad about. I definitely thought they'd yeah. be higher. I thought I'd so see them. Definitely thought it'd be higher, but like they also haven't really beat anybody. So that's it. They'll have their chance. The committee, yeah. like the yeah. way they line up the rest of their schedule, gave them the chance to if they take care of business, they'll be in. Again, I think it comes Cincinnati. If I if I could have reordered it, I think if I could have reordered it, I probably would have. Drop Michigan down to ten, and then moved Oklahoma, Wake Forest, Notre Dame up. Um, I will say that we don't have to we don't have to spend too much more time on this. I thought they did a good job at the middle of the pack um, for the most part. Uh, I will say a lot of this stuff will begin to sort itself out like very, very, very quickly. Um, that o- Oklahoma still has to play Oklahoma State and Baylor. Um, Ohio State still has to play Michigan State and Michigan. Uh, Alabama still needs to get through Auburn. Uh, to get to win the SEC West. Um, so a lot of this stuff, I think we will get answers soon. I think I, – well, I don't think the playoff committee got it right. Um, it, I'm not – and I love the, I love the overreaction. I love that we got a, that we had thoughts about it uh, and we had opinions about it. But, um, yeah, there, there is – this stuff will start to sort itself out. A lot out of football here. left. Like the, uh, the, yeah. the Ole Miss-Mississippi State, you know, first ever yeah. football ranking. Does that not stick out? Like Yeah. Yeah. It, it's all going to get jumbled. There's a lot of football left. Lots uh, of time. The last point I'm going to make, and we can we can go forward with this, um, is that I think Notre Dame coming in at ten probably sets their ceiling. Like it's no longer a glass ceiling. It's it's a pretty hard ceiling that they will not be making the playoff, which is okay. Um, I think that could set. Yeah. A, I think that could set them set themselves up for a really really good spot. Uh, in the Fiesta Bowl or in the Peach Bowl, and I'd be really, really excited about that. And it's not that I, not that to be sad about. I think it's just this was a nail in, in their in their playoff hopes for this year. And that's fine. Do, uh, yeah, no, it, it's fine. I hope it does light a fire a little bit, so we can, you know. Oh, it'd be fun if we started look pumping, good. pumping teams. Could we do a quick reorder of the top six? Sure. Of, yeah. Yeah, you got – so, Donovan, you go first. Your top six, how would you have it laid out? 
All right. I would go Alabama. Not, no. What the fuck Ooh. am I saying? Georgia. Right. Right. Hey. Georgia. Georgia. And Michigan State. I think they have the second best resume. Then Cincinnati. Then I would go Alabama. Then I would go Oklahoma, Oregon, Ohio State. And yeah. Oklahoma's a team I would feel comfortable moving back behind Oklahoma or Oregon and Ohio State behind both of them, not one of them. If they're going back behind one, it's probably both. In fact, that's probably how I would do it. I would have Oregon. So we go Cincinnati, Oregon, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Okay. I guess that's seven, but after that, it's kind of. Slav? I'd say I go Georgia. Uh, I'd say Georgia, Michigan State, uh, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, because I think you got to value teams that have been that have been undefeated uh, or that are undefeated. And then, honestly, like, like I probably would have put Ohio State at, at five. No, I, Alabama at five and Ohio State at six. And I would have put Oregon at seven because I don't – like, yes – Oregon beat Ohio State, but Oregon Oregon still lost to Stanford, and Ohio State is rolling as of late. Like they like they've fixed their defense. CJ yeah. Stroud is playing better. Dravion Henderson's awesome. They got the two of the best. They got the two best receivers in the country. Like Ohio State man is is rolling. They're a good football team. I think they're a better football team than Oregon. That's proved, I, that showed itself last few weeks. I agree. I agree. So I real quick, I'd go Georgia, Michigan State, Cincinnati. I'd put Ohio State at four, honestly. Um, I thought about that, too. So I'd put Ohio State at four. Then I'd go Bama. And then I'd go Michigan or, or um, Oklahoma. And I would have Oregon at seven as well. Um, I don't think just because they beat Ohio State um, that they have to be in front of them. I think they're both different teams. So I agree with that. Uh, the, uh, but, again, a lot of football to be played. Yeah, there's a good chance that'll sort itself out too, man. Like if Oregon, if Oregon catches another loss and Ohio State wins out, I think eventually we're going to see a jump there. I don't think that's a set in stone thing. No. Um, all right, let's look at some of the, some of the games that happened around the country last week. Uh, there was a lot of it was a fun day of football. Um, yep. Starting at starting the noon slate with Michigan and Michigan State, uh, that was that was a blast of a game. I actually got to watch most of that one, which was which was good. Even even though I was in South Bend and we were tailgating. Uh, it was good to watch a lot of that one. Really exciting football game. Obviously, like we said, uh, Michigan State or Michigan kind of pissed that one away. But Heisman moment for for Kenneth Walker. Um, yep. And I was really happy to see Sparty uh, Sparty pull that out. I mean, Kenneth Walker is a dog. That was one of the, like the most like that game. Like seeing two rivals go at each other. I was at a bar that was like probably split 50-50 Michigan Michigan State fans, and everyone there's jawing at each other. The atmosphere to watch the game, you know. My only complaint is they didn't put the volume on in the bar, even though it was clear everyone was watching the game. Slight yeah. pet peeve of mine. But, yeah. you know, having those teams big play on one side, big play on the other, back and forth, especially that fourth quarter where Michigan State just started slowly clawing their way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was awesome. I mean, that's what college football is about. It's two rivals just throwing punches. You know, ever since Michigan made the little brother comment, I love seeing Michigan State win. Them coming back in the way they did was awesome. So, yeah. I, I, I've got a couple people in my life, primarily a coworker that's a huge Michigan fan, and they're blowing up the slack with the most classic Michigan takes. Um, a lot of it was put on the refs. They're, they do have – they I think they do have a legitimate gripe. Um, 
I don't know if you guys saw the strip sack that was recovered for a touchdown. I did. Um, so, like, for the listeners, Michigan State quarterback dropped back in his own at his own five-yard line, got hit. I thought was losing the ball on the way down. It was covered by Michigan mm-hmm. in the end zone. They took a long look at it and overturned the call, which was I thought was the wrong call, blah, 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 whatever. Michigan, you still had the game in your hands, and you let – you put it in the ref's hands. At some points, so yeah. they still lost the game. Yeah, I also yes, yes, the ref, I, the refs were, did not have their best game, but hey, Jay, you know, JJ McCarthy still fumbles the football, and yeah, Cade why McNamara, is he in? Why is Cade, he in Cade the McNamara game? still throws a late interception. Like Cade McNamara does what Cade McNamara does, and Michigan pisses down their leg. Like I really, I, I don't. I, I think I don't they're doing. Bad. I think they're doing what we're trying to do with Tyler Buckner and just like get yeah. him meaningful snaps. But Cade McNamara, to that point, was having the game of his life. Cade McNamara, the starter, yeah. was having the game of his life. And in, in that moment, in that atmosphere against your rival, you got your freshman in there, and he just drops the ball. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a hard ball. That was an issue. That was a bad play. I mean, that was yeah. a bad move. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll quickly go through, go through some other stuff here. Uh, we'll stay in the Big Ten. Penn State hung with Ohio State, which I, I was really surprised by. I, yes, Big Penn State falls to five and three and two and three in the Big Ten. But, like, I, you know, if you want to talk about college football playoff rankings, I still think Penn State uh, is a better team than Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa for for sure. Um, and uh, I was really impressed with, with, with their efforts uh, in, in Columbus. Um, that was a game that was happening during hours, so I didn't get a whole lot of eyes on it. But I watched that, I watched the extended highlights and, um, and, Penn State gave them everything they could handle. Um, so, so kudos, kudos to them. Uh, did you guys get much of that game? Um, honestly, no. It was mostly eyes on the Irish. So, yeah. Also, didn't uh, really ever like. Yes, they hung with them. Um, Trayvon Henderson kind of was having a little bit of a day. Ohio State yeah. was in control of that game. Yeah. Uh, never really felt like they were going to lose that. Honestly, Clifford. I mean, we're not going to say anyone, but Clifford threw for three sixty one, which is like pretty good obviously they have John Dobbs yeah. in there and you have to go to your best player but you know kudos to Clifford uh, you know they're I think Penn State season's probably a wrap at this point um like they're not they're not they're going to a decent bowl but you know they're probably on the outside looking in for, for most of this but I still I'm still pretty impressed they hung with him uh Wisconsin beats, we can go to yeah. Pitt too Wisconsin put a beat down on Iowa Pitt got beat by Miami at home uh not a great day or a really good day from from Kenny Pickett, he had five nineteen and three tallies, but the rest, their defense is pretty bad, and they are very, very one dimensional. Good over Donovan. Yeah, and and Miami has Miami's found an answer at quarterback with this Van Dyke kid. He's pretty good. He is good. I don't know if it's one of those things where like the rest of the team just is playing a little bit harder, um, yeah. or if he's legitimately just better than Derek King. I don't. I have not got a lot of eyes on that. I don't know, but they got a little bit of a different feel about them these last couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, um, Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss falls to Auburn. Uh, Bo Nix had a really, really good day. Uh, Corral was not what we, you know, what we were. He got hurt. Corral, right. he did get hurt. I think he got hurt. And Bigsby, Tank Bigsby, had a really good day. Uh, Auburn, need, you know, if, if Auburn can kind of replicate what they did against Ole Miss when they played Bama at home, uh, watch out. I think Auburn's going to be pretty live in that game. Uh, let's see the other results that we want. That's to take one a look of the ones at. that Cincy needs. Cincy needs. An Iron Bowl, Bo Nix, great in game. The worst, in the worst way. In the worst way. Since he needs Auburn to beat Bama. 
And then uh, the cocktail party was a joke. Uh, Florida, Florida never got off the bus. Um, that was really bad. And Dan Mullen has ha- is in a downward spiral like no other I've seen right now with his comments about recruiting this week. Um, and the other one I want to talk about, uh, which had literally every single point that it could, um, 66-49 was the final uh, in the BYU-Virginia game. Crazy that wow. Virginia did not score in the fourth quarter but put up 35 in the second quarter. Um, <laughs> this box score is actually insane, but yeah, uh, those were, those are some of the big results, bigger results around the country. Uh, otherwise teams pretty much take care of business. You know, Tulane hung with Cincinnati early, but Cincinnati really pulled away, uh, as well. Um, so anything, anything you guys want to touch on that, that I may have missed? I'm all good. You know, it seems about right. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's covered. A lot of it's covered, I think, in the rankings. Um, yeah. Kind of solidifies yeah. where we're currently at. But, uh, again, want to reiterate, like, things can change pretty drastically over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a really, really fun month of uh, month of November here for football. Mm-hmm. I'm almost kind of glad that I won't be in Southland for any of these games, A, because it gets cold, and B, because uh, it's going to be good to have multiple TVs available to be able to, to, to keep tabs on some of this. Um, should be, like I said, it should be a, good, a really good month of football here. Um, speaking of the Irish, do you guys want to talk some Irish? We do. Yeah. yeah. Should, should we start with uh, the same man that we did last time? Or we, we didn't start with him last time. We had to give him praise at the end because we almost forgot. I don't think it's possible to forget him now. Kyron mm-hmm. Williams, that was one of the best singular performances I've ever seen in Notre Dame Stadium. He's, we need a creed to this man. We need some sort of idolization because he is well, not human. He is not human. And, and what's crazy is, he, so he's at seven. He's at seven hundred seven rushing yards for the year. He's going to cross a thousand. Um, he may do it. He may do it in the Georgia Tech game. Um, with, the, you know, I doubt he'll get it in, in the Navy game. But he may do it. In, I'm sorry, he may do it in the Virginia game. Um, he, he probably won't do it against anybody. He may do it in the Virginia game on the road. Uh, and behind this offensive line, yes, they're playing a lot better. And yes, they figure things out. And I want to come back to them. But he has no business rushing for 1,000 yards this year. It's 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 wildly impressive what he's doing. And he's in the ultimate put-the-team-on-my-back mode right now. Um, he will not be denied. And it, it's, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly fun to watch. I don't know when the last time I saw a player like this uh, in a Notre Dame uniform. I mean, Josh Adams, you know, he had a, obviously a spectacular season as a running back, but, you know, I think we can all admit that that was a huge product of being able to run behind Glinchy and McGlinchy and Nelson on the left side, or along with basically three other guys that ended up playing, you know, going to the league. And, you know, he's, his runs were a lot of times just busting through a hole and having the breakaway speed to do it. And it was awesome to watch because it seemed like he would do it once a game for the stretch of that season. He never had a run where, He's completely stopped three yards behind the line of scrimmage, circles back, flips the field, stiff arms a 260-pound defensive end and bounces his head off the turf like a basketball, and then has the speed to go. Really? He he was perpendicular to the sideline, turns it up parallel, takes it 91 yards. And shout-out to Michael Mayer and Avery Davis as well for the blocks downfield. That was so fucking cool. I've I've never seen a stiff arm. I've never seen a stiff arm like that. And where where I was sitting – I was sitting on that goal line, uh, right, right, on, right on the field. So, like, I had a really good view of the Avery Davis touchdown, and then unbelievable view of of Kyron of that Kyron stiff arm. It, it was one of the best things I've ever seen uh, on the football field. The stiff arm was the most impressive play, part of the play for me. Um, Situation should have been 
it to was the two or three yard loss. And it was it was, it was needed. And let's it was unbelievable, one of the best runs I've ever seen watching live. Some awful angles by some North Carolina defenders. Like how is he not he I mean he crossed both hash marks, but uh it's <laughs> just like point. <laughs> he does everything that we need him to do without question. I mean he's he's so special for this team, kind of is what makes this whole offense tick. And yeah, he, again, he just makes Jack Cohn's job so much easier. Yeah, and I, I will say that like uh, it, it came at a really, really important time in the game for Notre Dame. Uh, so they did another light. They did another light show uh, at, at, in between the third and fourth quarter, and I thought they crushed it. I actually thought it was better than the one uh, USC weekend, which was really cool. I think the USC one one was great, but uh, it, they did this one to shipping up to Boston. Uh, and it, it really, it was really cool. But the whole North Carolina sideline came out on the field. Like it was a TV timeout and they were like in their uh, respective, like offensive defensive huddles, but the whole team came off the sideline. They were almost, they were almost at the hash marks on, the, for, on their side of the field, the entire team. And they were like dancing and trying to get pumped up. Uh, and the next play from scrimmage, Kyron did that. Uh, you know, he makes a 91 yard house call. We, and then we give the ball, we pump, we kick the ball off to North Carolina and two plays later, one play later, I think it was the next play, it might have been the second next play, DJ Brown picks off Sam out. And, and those two yeah. plays, obviously the touchdown run flipped, flipped the game immensely, but that the, to have those plays in back-to-back sequences, that was the loudest I heard of the stadium in, in quite some time. Uh, and it was, it was really, really fun to be there for that. Would you say it was louder than any of the points during USC? There weren't any, like, huge moments there during the Southern Cal game, so – yeah, no, I, I think it was because uh, – so, actually, those th- those two plays back-to-back at the, the stadium had, like, a ton of energy. Uh, you know, obviously, all, all the all the tarps were off in the student section, which was which was really funny again. Uh, but we also had a play early in the first – in the first quarter, actually. We got them to third and one uh, or third and two on their side of the – on their side of the 50. I think it was, they had the ball around the 35 or 40, um, and they had to burn a timeout because the stadium got so loud. Which was like, right. which was really cool. It kind of felt, you know, when you're there as a fan in the, in the game, it kind of makes you feel like, whether you whether you actually did or not, it kind of makes you feel like you had an influence on the game. So that was that was good. Um, I will say both teams were pretty bad about using their timeouts in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody worse than the Giants last night, but uh, they were uh, they were neither neither of them really managed the clock uh, all that well. But yeah, uh, I think. To get back to our original point here, Kyron Williams deserves all the praise in the world. Um, if he keeps doing the way, that, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he'll never, he'll never make the Heisman race at this point. But it's a damn shame because he, he definitely deserves to. Definitely one of the best players in college football. Uh, switching gears a little bit, you weren't, you weren't watching on TV, Slav. Down when I were, there were quite a few cuts to the sideline when BK Brian Kelly was in the yeah. ear of either was Mickens, the uh, defensive backs coach, or Marcus Freeman. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of miscommunication going around um, or just some some missed assignments. Uh, I don't know what your guys' take on that, but uh, it was kind of nice to to see a little bit of fire because um, some, some of the defensive plays, like missed tackles and bad angles, we could have shut them down more than we did, I thought. Yeah. D, D, you can go first if you want. Um, but 
Yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of like BK, you know, he's not screaming at players like he was back in like 2011 or whenever the yeah. hell that was, you know, dude, take it out on the coaches and he's not berating them either, you know, but he's being, like, what the hell happened? giving them a very stern talking to in their face, which I think is deserved. There was, it was a lot of mental mm-hmm. mistakes. It wasn't like we were getting, you know, out schemed necessarily. It's like we had guys in the right stuff. They would just bite on fakes. Yeah, and it's not like you know North Carolina. Josh Downs is a hell of a player. I think he would start for us any day, and he had big games. But then half the time, it's tackling mistakes mm-hmm. that screw you over. And that's yeah. what you know really can't happen. I saw, I believe, article on Irish Sports Daily uh, this week, where we had the chance to get Sam Howell in the back backfield for a sack or a lot like a gain of like one or two like a run stuff five separate times at least and we just let him go and that's the quarterback it's not even like a slippery running back it's sam fucking Howell. he's a big so, dude though i mean he's a hog. he is he's thick he's thick yeah he's thick uh, and he's he's tough to bring down like he was really we were not tackling well not our best tackling game but he is a, he's a great athlete i think, I think he was the most impressive quarterback we've seen easily for sure i i, I would agree d wholeheartedly uh Without a doubt, uh, he was really, really impressive. I thought that he moved around the pocket very, very well, and that kind of um, was not something Notre Dame had seen. I don't know if Notre Dame had seen a quarterback that climbed the pocket and, and escaped as well as well as he had, um, which which definitely challenged defensive line. And Foskey talked about that in the post game, where Foskey was kind of saying like, "Hey, you know, we kept trying to we kept trying to win with speed, whereas we really wanted to try to win with some power." Um, you know, and, and kind of sit a little bit more close to the line of scrimmage than, than get upfield because flying upfield is kind of what opens those those rush lanes for help. But he was really, really good uh, both in the in, in the air uh, and on the ground. Uh, I hope that this kind of helps his draft stock because I think he needed it even in a losing effort. Um, what I will say, Ian, you know, Ian, you mentioned here about Kelly kind of getting in Freeman and Mickens' ass here. Um, I think it's a symptom of – I think there's a few things going on. The first thing is that you lose your – you lose your best player in defense, right? Your, de- your mm-hmm. defense – you lose your best player in – It's a different game if Kyle Hamilton's on the field. Different game. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, again, I, I want to say this. I want to make this very, very clear. I thought DJ, DJ Brown was awesome. Again, like mm-hmm. he, he played really, really well. I think he tackles really well, and I think that he made a really good play on the interception. Um, he's never going to be Kyle Hamilton, and that's okay. Um, but losing your – Losing your vocal leader and captain, who's had three years three years of experience playing in that safety spot, hurts, and it showed on the blown coverage on the left hand uh, uh, on that North Carolina touchdown uh, in the in the south end zone, which um, which you know obviously sucked, but I really think that's just that's just a communication mistake, and I think yeah. Cam Hart made an, Cam Hart probably made an assumption about what Kyle Hamilton would have been doing, uh, and did, kind of forgot that he was actually with Houston Griffith. Um, and and DJ Brown instead, um, and that was a mistake. And I think that like that stuff that gets that's got to get cleaned up. And that is on Mickens, and that is on Freeman for not getting that sorted out earlier. Uh, but that's definitely Seem- something. That, yeah, that- it seems like that is going to be something they are going to have to sort out. Though it doesn't look like we're going to have Kyle Hamilton. I don't think really anytime soon. They say maybe Virginia, um, but I don't think he's going to be in any rush to get back. So, like, like I, I, it was good to see DJ Brown play well. Him and our DBs have got to get on the same page. Yeah, I agree. I, I hope that – best case scenario, really, I think you get him for um, – best case scenario, you get him for Virginia, and I think he would be really, really helpful for get, uh, against Brennan Armstrong. 
But yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think – I actually don't – barring any major setbacks, I actually don't think his Notre Dame career is, like, over, over. Um, I think at the very least you get him back for Georgia Tech um, because I think he really values – I think he'll really value the whole se- the, the whole senior day and, and getting to be on the field for that. Um, what do you I think we'll honor say, him for senior, senior day? Yeah, they'll do it. For guys like him, like guys that are so for sure gone, they, they give him a, yeah. a send-off. Yeah. I will say yeah. too that the other thing, the other problem with with, with you know, or the other reason that that Freeman and Meckins are getting kind of shoot out, and, um, this is something that we've talked previously, but like the wear and tear of the on our linebackers right now, yeah, is concerning, uh, and there's not really much you can do about it given the injuries of the position and the readiness of Prince College. Like Prince College might not be ready yet, and that's okay. Uh, I don't think he necessarily thought everybody thought he would. But no Leofow really, really hurts. Um, limited options about what you can do in the inside linebacker spots. And, you know, uh, having to play uh, having to play Drew White and, and, and J.D. Bertrand as much as you did, it, it's, it's starting to show. Um, and and they, they both played good games. But Kelly even said in the, pre- in the postgame press conference, like if, if they could have sat Drew White this game, they would have. And they just didn't feel like they could afford to do it. Um, so I think we're a little bit more banged up than maybe what – what meets the eye on the surface. Um, and, and that kind of came through as well. Um, but there was the one play that was like the, the only play that I really had a like, bad taste in my mouth from. It wasn't even the blown coverage. It was that Sam Howell run into the North end zone um, down mm-hmm. by where I was in the fourth. I think it was in the fourth quarter. Maybe it was in the third quarter. Uh, when Sam, when the hat, when the touchdown happened, Samson tweeted something along the lines of like, um, Notre Dame looked moderately interested in tackling Sam Howell. Like he yeah. kind of just bounced. It didn't really seem like anybody really wanted to, to tackle him. So uh, I think there, those are things like you kind of have to consider. Mostly it's the leadership thing from Hamilton in the back end and maybe the wear and tear on the guys uh, in the linebacking crew. Uh, but you know what? You got you got four more games against one super threatening offense and then three teams that you should be able to handle pretty, pretty soundly. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's stuff that's manageable. Um, get to get to Thanksgiving weekend and let all your injuries heal up, and and we'll see we'll see where yeah. we are then. Um, but I, I still think eleven and one is well within grasp. Yeah, I, I mean the only thing I worry about, and like we can get to talking about Navy, you know, later once we're wrapping up this, is like Navy's physical and our linebackers already beat up. Like, yeah, you know, that's a tough game to play when you have beat up linebackers, and you know, we'll need our D line, some of those guys in the secondary. Houston Griffith, I've almost given up on him. That dude just doesn't know how to tackle. Yeah. So yeah, he's. I was about to say his his tackling is just no good. No, no good. Uh, I still, I do think, um, and Kelly mentioned this. I think you'll you'll see a lot more of Bo Bauer, Kaiser, and Pryor this week, just as some bigger bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Which is good. Uh, we we kind of need that help, um, and definitely we'll see a lot more of. Uh, probably see closer to a four, four uh, where you get to see Foskey a lot more on the, like, like definitively on the edge um, and let, just let guys like Adam Alola and, and Howard Cross and Heinish and Lacey, let those guys just eat the gaps in the middle and, and try and open up your guys in the Viper spots and with Patello Foskey, uh, open them up to make some tackles and, and hopefully open some gaps for Bauer and Drew White and Bertrand to make some tackles as well. I hope so. Um, I hope we're able to rotate guys through. Yeah, we go for them to get reps. I mean, that was like Drew White's first game ever was against Navy, so it was. He might be the most experienced guy against the offense, but yeah, 
don't the know, only, might be good to get the, other people. And I don't want to harp too much on the defense because obviously they did enough to win the, win the football game. But Pete Sampson mentioned something in one of his articles this week, and it was definitely definitely eyebrow raising, uh, kind of kind of a red flag type thing, where he mentioned that uh, that teams. Teams seem to score at will and to drive at will on the Notre Dame defense in the last two minutes of halves. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's something that's happened in the last four games. In the last four games, you've given up points in the last two minutes of the first half. That was a um, super frustrating drive. Yeah. Was and, frustrating and, it, and it hasn't been the last one either, um, which is which is like kind of, kind of the worst part. I don't really know um, – exactly what needs to happen to fix it but it's like once or twice is okay it happens now this is like a trend this is a serious pattern um and i just hope that at some point it doesn't cost you because it definitely could have cost you against vt um yeah probably could have cost you against wisconsin as well um but it's always yeah. it's it's a really cool tradition playing navy it's i, I it's one that I'm, I'm very proud of as a Notre Dame fan it's never fun Mm-mm. like those four yeah. hours are never really that fun because no, you're hurt. winning big, and you're like, "Damn, don't want to do this in Naval Academy," or you're losing to the Naval Academy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you are, or you're losing. I think. Well, I want to come back to it, but Herb Street kind of said on on the playoff selection or the ranking show, he was like, "Yeah, Notre Dame should have really no problem getting to eleven and one, and should you know, they're really only test is going to be Virginia." And I was like, "Herbie, like you've been around football too long. You know that yeah, Navy yeah. loves to give Notre Dame fits, especially in South Bend." But um, I do want to touch on some other things. I thought a uh, pretty good day from the receiving core, Avery Davis, as usual, Mr. Consistency, but a really good day from, from Lorenzo Styles too. And like, he's got, he's got some wheels on him uh, and he's, he's starting to produce. I think he came in probably a lot more mature than any freshman receiver that we, that we had. He was probably the most college ready, um, maybe not even physically, just like mentally. Um, and I think it's starting to show like he, he had the big drop, but I love that Tommy Reese went back to him uh, and that Jack Cohn had the confidence to go back to him because I think, well, the drop, the drop could have been killer. It's only killer if, if, if you let it be. Uh, instead, they give him a chance to make another play, which I think is really, really big for confidence going forward. Uh, but you know, shout out to style. Kevin Austin, a really nice back shoulder catch. Um, and Davis obviously uh, does a little bit of everything. Um, and the, and all the receivers are also blocking a lot better on the perimeter. Um, which is which is helping Kyron Williams. Yeah, and Colsey, another freshman, had a great block. And Colsey, and Colsey, yep. great block on the Jack Cone run. Um, it's really cool seeing some freshman wide receivers play and not transfer. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, freshman on offense. Let's think about what we have: Joe Alton Fisher on the O line, possibly two mm-hmm. generation t- generational tackles. Tyler Buckner's getting the most snaps as a true freshman quarterback of anyone in recent memory. Mm-hmm. You have two receivers that are getting more snaps than basically any freshman receivers since like Stefferson, and they're probably going to get more than that by the end of the season. At least Styles, I could see him eclipsing uh, Stefferson's stat totals. Maybe not touchdowns, but yards. Yeah, this offensive class, this Logan offensive Diggs. class could be so special. And Logan Diggs. Diggs got a huge, huge Plus, yeah. workload. Like this, we got and big boy Audrey Estime behind him too. Yeah. Estimate's been seeing the field too, not necessarily in like the same running back, like he's in the running back rotation, but they've been using him at the H back position, and he's on the spe- and he's on special teams, which means that the dude like he's on the kickoff return team, which means the dude loves contact and just wants to be on the football field, which is like really really good, um, and they've been using him in that kind of up back or H back position to help down on the goal line, uh, which is good. Um, I do want to give 
uh, kudos again to the to two groups here or two sets. I thought that Jack Cohn and Tyler Buckner did a really good job again. Shout out to Cohn for taking off the way he did. Um, you know that he is. He, you know he was supposed to be a midfielder at Notre Dame uh, in lacrosse, so it's not like he's not an athlete. Uh, but it was good to see him take off and get to the end zone. Um, and I thought that he's doing a lot better in this quick strike offense, um, shorter, shorter drops, quicker passes, um, making the easy, easy single one-on-one read um, has been really, really good. And with that kind of, that kind of pairs with that. I thought Tommy, I think Tommy Reese put on another masterclass here mm-hmm. um, offensively. Uh, he is really, 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 really good at his job. Um, he, again, changing, adapting the playbook, to to what where where this offense is skilled, and where this offense can su- succeed with the quick hits, um, changing the way we kind of run the football, uh, using both quarterbacks effectively uh, and in the right spots. I think he's finally finally getting these pieces to fall into place, uh, which is really good. Uh, also, he did he did that thing that he liked to do last year, where he was melting the clock in the fourth quarter. Which was which yep. was pretty sweet. Uh, that was a really fun thing to see. Again, obviously, he didn't get down all the way that we wanted to, and and Kyron came just one yard short uh, down by the goal line. We had to settle for a field goal, which sucked. But hey, like shout out! I think Tom Reese put on another fucking masterclass this week. That was that was really fun to watch. Uh, really good yeah. to get back to like the old version of Notre Dame. He seems to figure out he's he's figuring out what he's got personnel wise. Yep. Um, and, he, and he's kind of figuring out the best way to use all them, which yep. yeah, really as a coach is your job. Mm-hmm. I love the way he's coaching his team. It'll be interesting because you know he's got three more for four more defenses left. Yeah, four more defensive left left that just really aren't that impressive. So keep scoring. You know, hopefully man. the offensive. Yeah, keep putting up forty points. That'd be awesome. I mean, it might be tough. Obviously, Navy this week they're going to burn the clock. You know, it's just yeah. going to be a matter of, you know, can we stop them on those fourth and one, fourth and twos and prevent them from extending the game? That's really what I think it comes down to. Obviously, we're way more talented. We're way more well-coached than the last time we lost to them in 2016. This game shouldn't be close, but, you know, Tom, I, I think you touched on it. It's just sometimes it just is just because it's yeah. heavy. I think Kelly talked a lot about this in his press conference on Monday or yesterday, I guess. Kelly talked a lot about this in the press conference where this is just like a, a, a super, super physical game. And, D, I think you mentioned that earlier. It's just a super, super physical game. Um, so it'll be another another test for our defense that's already banged up. Uh, it'll be a, a very big test for them. Like you said, let's get off the field on – let's get off the field on fourth fourth and short, right? Um, uh you have you absolutely have to. Uh, otherwise, this team is just going to choose something to clock. Um, that also means that you have to be efficient in the way that in the way that you move the football, because you're going to get so many less touches. Um, you know, the North Carolina game turned into quite the shootout with a bunch of possessions changing hands. That's not going to be the case this week. You may only get three or four possessions a half, which means you only get may get up, you know between eight and ten for the game. Um, so you're going to have to make those drives count. Settling for field goals probably isn't going to cut it. Um, but you also, you know, I don't know if Notre Dame is in, in a position to do the whole melt the clock thing. Like, like they might be in a position where they got to keep their drives under five minutes too for the sake of trying to get the ball back, uh, you know, trying to see the ball again in, in, in the half. So uh, I think it'll be a really interesting interesting thing this week. And then the other thing that Kelly mentioned too is uh, they've been prepping for Navy. They spend a lot of time prepping for Navy in the spring and in the summer too. Like it's not just a week of thing. Um, 
this is a this is a game that gets prepared for year round, um, both in the weight room and on the field. Um, so uh, I think you know I think that's a really good way of approaching it. But you know they're gonna you know they're gonna change something up. It's just a matter of of what kind of wrinkles you're gonna throw at you. An onside kick, a fake punt, uh, uh, a flea flicker, something like that. I th- I wouldn't be surprised to see whatsoever this week, especially if they get down in the down on the plus side of the plus side of the field. Um, second or third time they get across the 50, they may try to take a shot with something silly. Yep. Yeah, we talked about like we're banged up at the linebacker spot. That affects our offense a little bit. That, I mean, yeah. the defense, our defense is going to get tired. Yeah, got to get our defense off the field. They're going to get tired. Their defense is going to get to rest up. You know, like that's the way yeah. Navy does it. That's like whether they're really, whether they're good at bad, that doesn't really change all that much because it's, it's kind of how each team is able to figure out their offense. You know, I, I, got, I don't even know what I'm really saying. Like the, the, like the talent of the Navy team, they're difficult to play no matter what. They're difficult to play no matter what for a variety of reasons. And they're almost harder to play when you're a big favorite just because you don't want people coming at your knees. You're like, what is this? We're 30-point favorites. Like, yeah. stop going to my ACLs. Like, it's not, it's tougher to mentally lock in, which I don't want to make, make it a trap spot, but it's just a frustrating game. Yeah. I think I think we're in a, a balance this week. Finding a balance this week is going to be very, very difficult, but also very, very important, um, like I mentioned. Like, you got to give your defense enough time to recover um, and to make adjustments that they need from drive to drive, right? Um, and to review what happened on the last drive, but you also need to score in a, in a fairly efficient manner um, to make sure that you're you're going to get as many touches as you can because you know that they're going to try to drive for between seven and twelve minutes every time they touch the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think it'll be. I think Tommy Reese. I, you know, I have all my all my faith in Tommy Reese. I wish Tommy Reese was the offensive coordinator for my pro team, but um, I think it'll be a delicate balance this week that I, I, I that I hope he can he can find. Yeah, one one good thing is that Marcus Freeman. This isn't his first time playing the yep. option, which is good as a DC. Most so of the staff has seen. Yeah, most of the staff has seen a lot of Navy, which is good. Yeah, and this last time, I think he blanked him. His last time out, yeah. so that's good. Yep. That's very good. Although the there time before go. that, apparently they had five hundred plus rushing yards. So. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot we'll somewhere in the middle. It's a crapshoot yeah, year over year. Old. Like year over year, you never know what you're going to get. I mean, yeah, I think the 500 yards came on, like, the Malcolm Perry Navy team, so they were actually, like, yeah. pretty damn solid, like, 11-game winners. Right. They yeah. also made a quarterback change, um, which has helped them immensely. I think they were starting with uh, – is it Xavier Airline? It was the kid that they were starting. That's they the Air Force. guy. How do you that know the Air Force? Guy. Your name's Airline, and you're going to Navy over Air Force? Oh, he was supposed to come to Notre Dame to play lacrosse. He's another kid who was supposed to come to Notre Dame to play lacrosse and didn't. Maybe he'll uh, transfer. Uh, but – yeah, uh, should be should be an interesting one. Uh, I love that we're it actually not conducive to my weekend schedule, but I do love that we're back in the three thirty slate this mm-hmm. week. That's um, I'm sure most of campus also appreciates it. Um, I really think the three thirty makes a massive difference in, in what you te- what you do as a tailgate for a tailgate as a student. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Also, before we uh, before we move on, I owe a shout out to Mr. Murphy, Jake, and Charlie's dad. Um, I oh. saw him. I saw him on the part in the parking lots, um, and he was asking me what what I kind of thought would be a good pick this week. He really wanted to take Mayer uh, over receptions, and I said no, we don't do that anymore. We take Kyron Williams over rushing yards. 
and cashed on the big on the 91 yard run. He promised yeah. me that he promised me that if it hit, he would listen this week. So if you're listening, yeah. Mr. Murphy, shout out to you. I'm looking forward to seeing you soon uh, again so we could celebrate. But we can move on to picks if we'd like. All right. Start with the Irish. Yep. Uh, we are, let me uh, actually do have it up. We are 20, 20 and a half. 20 and a half, I believe. We're 20 line. and a half. We are 20 and a half point favorites at home, 330 on NBC with our friends Drew Brees and Mike Tirico again. Um, who do you guys, who do you guys like in this game? All right, I'll start. I think this game, the final score, 31-14, and I don't think it's a particularly close game. I think we handle them. I just think 20 and a half is a huge number in a Notre Dame-Navy game. I don't think it's a close game, like, in terms of, like, you know, actually the flow of the game, you know, how, you how you know, we're feeling each other out. Like, we probably end in a position where we could score to cover, and we don't, which – we are notorious for. Yep. I think we win comfortably, but I think that comfortably means 17 points. So 31 14 is my prediction, and I'm going with Navy against the spread. Sue me. Okay. All right. I'm going 31 yeah. 10, um, and I think we cover by a half point. Um, I think we will score on maybe. 75% of our offensive possessions. That doesn't mean we'll have a lot, but we'll have enough to get to 31. And then stopping the triple option, stopping Navy is kind of something defense is hanging their hat on. Uh, I think our defense kind of got torched last week. Torch is the right word, but they kind of got, they got beat. You know, Sam out to, they, they got beat. So I think this is a good opportunity for them to come, you know, plant their flag a little bit and, and, and show their toughness, get in there. Um, and get hats on hats. So I think they play a little tough, and Navy doesn't get more than 10. Oh, man. I really want to pick Notre Dame. I don't think I've ever once picked against Notre Dame on this podcast so far. Um, and most of the time that doesn't come back to bite me, but I really think I have to pick against them. I just don't see – I don't see a way that, that Notre Dame wins this game by more than, more than three touchdowns. Uh, I just don't think the defense is healthy enough to hold uh, – to hold – Navy under, you know, 14, 17 points. Uh, and I don't think they're going to have enough possessions uh, to to score more than, you know, 31 to 35. Um, I actually am going to go 31, 17 uh, for the score. And I'll, I'll take, I'll take Irish to win the game for sure. Um, but uh, I think Navy, I think Navy hangs in there. I think this number is a, a, a far bit too big. Uh, for for the type of game that that, that that is going to be played in South Bend on Saturday. Um, all right, other game other games we're gonna look at. Um, so there's not a whole lot of ranked first ranked on the schedule this week, but there is some really intriguing matchups which could have playoff uh, college football playoff implications. Uh, Wake Forest goes to Chapel Hill for a noon kick. Uh, that game will be on ABC. Uh, UNC is two and a half point favorites at home. Uh, who do you guys who do you guys like? Man, that is a fun one to be at noon. Start your yeah. day off. Oh, What's yeah. the over-under? I think I saw 76. Uh, 76, yeah. Wow. Do you I guys want to take the over-under in this game, too? We could, yeah, sure. We did it last week. I, we did it, we'll, make this, or we make, we'll make this the game we picked the over-under in. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, again, I think there's going to be a shit ton of points. I was, I, like, UNC looked good on offense. They can't stop anyone. Yeah, they can't stop shit. Honestly, I Josh, still think Josh Downs is really good. 
I still think they're by far the best team Wake Forest has faced. I think, for example, Wake Forest goes on the road and has to go to OT with a Syracuse. Once again, I'm doing the transitive property to talk me into a pick, but I think the Heels get it done at home. I think they got – they felt like somewhat good. I don't feel like they got, you know, emotionally destroyed by losing in South Bend. So I'll take the Heels. This is definitely one where Vegas is begging you to take Wake Forest, um, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the Deeks <laughs> and the boys. It's for sure going to be the over. Um, Wake Forest can't stop anybody. Um, and I was pretty impressed by Sam Howe. Like, yeah, North Carolina's a good team. They're 4-4. Four and four. They don't win. They lost to Florida State. Like, it's just not all in all that good of a team. Um, and Wake's got a lot more to play for. So, I'm, I'm taking Deeks. Um. All right, yeah, I really want to take Wake Forest, and I actually really hope they do win the football game because uh, I want I want this run to keep going. Um, yeah, I mean, this was a take that I had earlier, you know, a few weeks ago, where I said, "Hey, Wake Forest runs the table. You know, good luck. You know, let's good luck trying to find a spot for them and, and sorting this all out. Um, and then getting getting slotted at eight or nine there uh, at nine, you know, makes it a little more complicated. But I, I think honestly, from a from a me trying to win the win this picks thing. I think I have to take uh, I have to take North Carolina uh, and the over. Uh, I think there's going to be all the points in this one. I think this is North Carolina. This might be North Carolina's last stand here, um, where they really, you know, this might be the last one they give a shit about. Honestly, um, I guess they'll play Duke in a rivalry game, but this might be the last one they give a shit about. Uh, it's at home. Your your favorite. It's it's the noon kickoff for ABC. It's a big spot. Um, and Sam House still got a lot to play for, uh, given he probably wants to go to the pros. So I'll take North Carolina uh, and the over. Uh, Ian, you said you're going to take you're taking Navy or Notre Dame. You, you're going to take Notre Dame, no, no, Dame right? No, 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 no. Okay, just write it down. Um, all right, the next game we're going to pick. This is the only ranked versus ranked matchup this week. It is uh, Auburn goes to uh, Kyle Field to play Texas A&M. The spread is four and a half. Is the last time I checked. Let me see if I can get it again. But that is yes, yeah, four and a half. Texas is favorite. Texas A&M is favored by four and a half. Uh, and that game is going to be the CBS game this week at three thirty. Uh, should be another good one to watch uh, if you have multiple TVs to get NBC and CBS on on uh, on rival and TVs here. Uh, but yeah, Texas A&M four and a half point favorites at home. Uh, who do you guys like? I like uh, I like Auburn and Bo Nix. He does a big win against Ole Miss. Um, they've kind of got something going there, and I think they're a better team than AM. And four and a half is a lot for Ant to trust AM with, I think. Like, that's mm-hmm. a good team. D, um, I'm gonna ride like everything tells me to ride with Auburn, but if there's one thing we know about Bo Nix, is that you know, you never really know. I think you never really know. I think. Kyle Field is going to be rocking. Yeah, everything tells me to take Auburn, but I'm going to go with the Aggies. I, I think just he makes a couple big mistakes. A&M's able to run the ball, which against a pretty solid Auburn defense, and, you know, good for them. I hope they can do it because I'm riding with them. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I, I'm going to take – I'm taking Auburn in this football game, and I'm not going to back down off of that. My one concern here is, like D said, you never know what you're going to get from Bonex. Uh, but – uh, I, I'm gonna hope that we that we see the the home version of Phoenix on the road uh, in Kyle Field. I also think that 
for my own sake and for my own hope, for what I hope to see in the coming weeks, I think that Auburn here, the college football gods, will have Auburn win this game outright um, because it will set up, you know, it's, it continues to set up really nicely for the for the Iron Bowl. Um, so for that reason, I will be taking Auburn to win the game outright, but also to cover. Um, also, you know, the only the only other thing I want to kind of factor in here is that I think this Texas A&M team is still flawed. Uh, you still have Zach Galzada quarterback, and I just think it's it's very well within the realm of possibilities that they ran their their luck kind of expired with with what they did to Alabama at home. Like that that's their magic moment this year, um, and I think I think that's probably going to be it. That'll put a I'll kind of put a stake in their in their SEC West hopes, and I think Auburn will stay alive. Um, all right. Uh, another interesting one here, similar to Wake Forest and uh, North Carolina, uh, the Big Ten version of the game this week, I think. Uh, Wake Forest, I'm sorry, Mich- Michigan State goes to West Lafayette to play Purdue. Uh, Purdue is um, is a three point is only a three point dog. Uh, Michigan State's three point favorite on the road. Uh, you know, given what given what Michigan State just did to Michigan. You think that number would be a little bit bigger, but it's not. Um, but what do you guys? What do you guys think of Purdue as a three-point home dog? I, I think there's something funky in the air at Purdue this year. Very funky. Like they got I, Iowa I, I, after a big win. Now Michigan yeah. State after their big win. I'm going with the little little weirdness up in West Lafayette. I, I think I think they might win this one outright. It's only plus one thirty on the money line too. Like yeah. I'm still not super impressed by what Michigan State can do on offense. They also gave up 33 points to a Michigan team that I'm also not super impressed with. And I think mm-hmm. this is a game where David Bell could get loose, much like he did against Iowa, and just make one too many plays for the Spartans to keep up with. Yeah, yeah. Ian, what do you think? I don't know. Me Sparty. Sparty. I don't know. I'm I mean, uh, like it's so weird. It's so stinky, but. Whatever. Yeah, it's st- stinky is a great word for it. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat you are. It, this this stinks badly, but uh, in Kenneth Walker, we trust. I think they're going to do enough on the ground um, to to really salt this game away. Uh, I'm going to take Sparty a- as well. Uh, I kind of like the numbers as small as it is. I think if it was a three and a half, um, I might have some different opinions. But at three, I'd be happy to take Sparty uh, on the road. Um, and then last game we'll pick this week before locks. Uh, another, this is the Big Twelve version of of this game. Uh, there's, it's not a ranked versus ranked matchup, but o- Oklahoma State is on the road in Morgantown. Um, uh, as Oklahoma State is a three point favorite on the road. Uh, that's a three thirty kick on ESPN. Uh, who you guys like in this one? I mean, once again. I, it's these home dogs that I want to yeah. ride with. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to ride with the Mountaineers. One, I don't think Oklahoma State is really that good. We kind of saw it against Iowa State when they have to like mm-hmm. go on the road and play a tough team. They weren't really that good. They should have almost lost that Iowa State game by more than they did. I'm sure for that bullshit touchdown call. So I'm going to ride with Jared Daggy and the Mountaineers. He's really the only player I can name, but fuck it. I think he'll bring it home. Yeah, I, I, I like the atmosphere in Morgantown. Um, they looked to play pretty well last week, um, even though they didn't pull it off against Brock Purdy and Iowa State. But uh, I'll go with the Nears. Um, shout out Mr. Felton. Yeah, Mike, our, our guy, Mike Felton. Uh, 
I'm going to fade Mike Felton on this one, actually. I'm going to stick with Oklahoma State. Um, I think this is another game. Um, I should stop relying on the college football gods, given, given that they probably don't exist. But I think this is another game that sets up with a really nice crash course for Bedlam. Um, you know, Oklahoma State probably needs this one to stay alive in the Big 12. Um, and I think they'll do it. I think they'll go on the road more to Morgantown, win this game, and, and set up really nicely for – uh, for a game against Oklahoma in, in, in the coming weeks. Um, I think that the, court, you know, the quarterback play has kind of regressed, but this defense is really, really good. Um, the defense is, defense is supposed to be what travels. So uh, give, me, uh, give me Oklahoma State. Um, all right. Anybody got some locks? By the way, we went three. We had three and oh last week with locks, which was great. So let's I got go, a lock. Uh, let's, I got let's a lock. stay hot. All right, Ian, what do you got? So I'm looking at two different games, and I might need yep. your guys to help me out with this. I think one of the most fun games of the weekend is Hugh Freeze headed back to Ole Miss. I looked at that one. Oh, shit. That's a really yeah. exciting one. Liberty going to Ole Miss. Ole Miss minus eight and a half coming off a loss. I like Ole Miss there a little bit, but I think what I like more is Cincinnati just seeing their name pop up at six. 22 and a half against Tulsa at home. I think it's zero Cincinnati. I think I'm going to go with the Bearcats to yeah. be a little pissed off. I think that's a really smart pick, actually. Uh, it says 22 and a half. It's 22 and a half. So, I don't know if either of you have watched the Boston College Eagles play in the last couple of weeks. But that offense without Phil is absolutely heinous. Uh, is you ever, Dennis a quarterback? He is, I think. Did you ever think you'd, you'd catch yourself saying that, Dave? <sighs> Probably Dennis. not, Dennis. Dennis. Or, or, or the fact that, or the fact that that this offense is reeling without Phil Jerkovic. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> here's the thing. Dennis's backup. Went to St. X. Did he? And he wasn't very good, if I remember correctly. I think he was like a preferred walk-on. He's like cousins with Hasselbeck. I think that's how he got the BC connection or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know, honestly. But they play Virginia Tech. That's also another team that was super impressive to me offensively. I think Friday night, it's a weird night. We're going to go under 47 in Chestnut Hill on Friday night. Ooh, love that. Love that. (laughs) 147. You're a dog for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know which team is going to win, but I just know there's not going to be a lot of points. I, I really actually think that that's a phenomenal pick. Like, I really, I'm really <laughs> you, dug, you dug that one out. I think that was really good. I will actually – I'm not going to steal that from you, but I, I'm going to be all over that. Um, I'm going to go uh, to I, – I, I think, I think this is this is a bad pick. It's kind of gross, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to hold my nose and do it. I'm going to take NC State minus two and a half on the road uh, in in Tallahassee. Um, oh, yeah. I don't that's love it. To, that's what to hold your nose for a lock. Yeah, but I'm going to do it. I, I didn't really love the board, um, and I'm not going. I'm not stealing D's. Um, this one just kind of jumped off the page of me. Something felt weird about it. Um, I think this Florida State team, despite hanging with Clemson last week, I think that was more a symptom of how bad Clemson is, not necessarily uh, how good Florida State is. And I think this NC State team, despite taking a loss uh, earlier than it may have wanted to, is still a pretty good football team. Um, so I'm going to take NC State minus the three – or minus the two and a half uh, in Tallahassee. 
as always, I will ride with you fellas. Yeah. And we'll yes. do it again. We were hot last week. Um, we were hot. D, I, D, I, really, I really like this Tech BC play. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I think both pick. those teams are just not great. Like, I, no, I think one not. of those teams ends up losing and scoring less than 10. I don't think the other one's putting up 35-plus. I think Boston so. College finishes finishes south of 10 in this game. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You should make your way down there for that Friday night. I was thinking, I was thinking about it, actually. We were like we were trying to pick a game to go to um, while we were up here, but I think we just chose to do to all do three Notre Dame games instead of doing yeah. the uh, <laughs> I think that's a better BC game. Probably. It's a smart choice. Uh, I'm glad we got some things off our chest. I think it was much needed. Yes, sir. Yep. Do it again next um, week. Yeah, let's have I'm a stress forward. three win against Navy. Never mm-hmm. happens, but not gonna happen. But let's do it. Yep. Respect the Great. troops. Respect the troops. We love it. All right, fellas. I will talk to you next week. Uh, go Irish. Bye, go Irish. Bye.